Hello and welcome to the Gallon Few Rangers podcast. My name's Colin McDuff and I'll be your host as always and I'm delighted to introduce our absolute stellar cast this week to talk through all things Rangers, the good and the bad, um, but more than that to come. First of all, joining us, Chris Paul. How are you doing, Chris? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Thanks for having me back on again. It's been a few weeks we have been back on, so looking forward to talking about the last few weeks. Happy days, good to have you back on. Uh, the European correspondent, David Tomlinson. How are you, Davy? Yeah, great, thanks. Looking forward to tonight to have a wee chat with other bears and uh, doing well. Good, mate, good. And main of return, um, another one who had a few weeks hiatus. I said it was a sore throat, but um don't know if it was just gone and hiding after that Celtic result. Steve Caldo. It has been a few weeks. Last time I was on, we were top of the league. Uh, it seems to have dragged the last few weeks, but I can get it off my chest tonight. It's your fault. I've been looking for one thing to blame. You fucking off for the podcast has is, is led, led to our demise. I wish it was that simple. So let's um, kick off. So there's plenty of football we talk about, folks. Uh, since we last recorded, we've um, we've just about go over the line against St Johnson and Aberdeen, um, pretty turgid 1-0 victories and we do have a European fixture against Red Star Belgrade coming up on Thursday if you want to go straight to the football, I suggest you maybe fast forward about 10 minutes, there's maybe a wee bit of board bashing coming up uh, last week it was announced that Rangers will be taking part in the Sydney Cup so a very hot topic as Along with that comes a friendly fixture against Celtic, who will also be taking part. So, Chris, I'll come to you first. Um, it's it's kind of heartwarming to see that the Rangers fans can unite on something. Usually we're the world's worst for arguing with each other, but this has been unanimous, almost unanimously like, shot on by the support. Uh, without a doubt, <clears throat> and you're right. You know, usually Rangers fans don't um, agree on on much, um, but I think for for this, I've I've yet to kind of meet a Rangers fan who's you know positive about it um, in terms of the, the decision it came about. I think everything about it, I've had issue with it from the start. Obviously, there was a rumor that it was happening, um, and I couldn't really believe the rumor to be honest. Um, so I didn't think it was actually going to happen, and then obviously it starts to get a bit of traction in Australia um, and I think the whole playing them in a, a, a friendly is um, it just shouldn't be happening at all um, I've always sort of felt that although they refuse to acknowledge the fact that it is the old firm um, I've always sort of felt that even the, the, the derby, the rivalry, the passion um, has always been you know, something that you can cling on to in terms of Scottish football, the standard maybe isn't the best, but it's always been a derby known around the world. Um, and I think when you started to see the English Premier League teams going over and getting sort of friendlies and talk of having a Premier League game abroad and stuff, it starts to devalue for me the, the sort of derby, the competition. So the fact that the board have entered into this is a shambles from the start, but the way that it's then transpired in terms of 
the way it's been publicised, um, the way that we're clinging on to it by an old firm friendly, and they're not even mentioning us in any of the kind of press or any of their stuff. And it's you know Ange Postecoglou's homecoming, and we're the plus one. Basically, it looks like it's it's just an absolute shambles from start to finish. And I think there is, and I think maybe we'll, we'll talk about this, but I do think there's parts of the current board at Rangers that's, um, and also the way that we're sort of marketing the club that's so a touch with reality for a lot of our fans. Um, and I think that's happening more and more. But just to, to sort of stay on sort of the, the friendly situation, um, I think it's it's a farce and they're, they're basically just trying to, you know, ride out the storm now, I think, until it passes. But I don't think this is something that's that's going to pass. I hope the fans continue to protest against it as, as we move forward. But terrible decision. Obviously, there's two, two big sides here for the Rangers board point of view and it's the money side the big one. But we will come to that in a wee minute. Um, the other side, Davey, is the, the chance to touch base with the... Um, Australian fan base and we all have a lot of expats and so while I, while I still don't agree with it I, I'm trying to I'm trying to look at it from a balanced point of view and I suppose like you could probably sympathise with it a wee bit Davey being an overseas bear is there an argument that we this is a big opportunity for fans based in Australia to see an old firm or is that is that me stretching too much? Well, for the, the first start, I, I don't know how you can call it a friend friendly when a team's tried to kill you virtually, uh, putting us down to getting the being the front runner to get us put down to the lower leagues. So I I don't think you can play a friendly with them. I mean, I certainly not get any friendly feelings towards them at all, and I don't really want to go and watch a friendly against them. And saying that, I love Australia because we go to Australia. We've got friends in Australia. We go there. It's not, not really near Sydney, it's still about uh, 12 hours away from Sydney, but um, would I go there and watch? To get it? I mean, I can I can understand the, the Sydney people or the Australian people wanting, to, wanting it. I can understand that. And it probably would bring in a lot of money to the to the coffers. But, yeah, it's just a, the, the fact that the... the we can't play a friendly against a, against a team that's that's does it the haters really? I mean that's that's the bottom point. So how how can hate and friendly be be sort of a brought up in the same sentence? This just shouldn't shouldn't happen. And I hope the board gets sense and listen to the supporters that, that don't. I mean I don't even think Celtic supporters really want it either. So no, for me, scrap it. I know it's quite it's quite ironic to see Celtic fans complain about they don't want associated with the toxic brand that is Rangers, given what's been happening and like with their club over the last couple of weeks. But it's it's bizarre that both sets of fans have the same same issues. And I, I totally agree, Davy. This is a club who won't. <laughs> this is a club who had to apologise for a for a eulogy, a commiseration speech because he mentioned Rangers. That's that's the fucking level we're dealing with here. There's, there's no half of anything. There is no old firm unless you're getting paid for it. Then I I totally understand the the backlash to jumping jumping into bed. We we certainly that's what it looks like. Um, Steve, Chris mentioned about the the current board being so out of touch with um, with the the current fan base, and this isn't. 
it's not the, the first occasion we fell, I guess, but I don't... It's a lot of money. I do understand it from a purely commercial point of view. It's more money than they're going to get for a full SPFL season, but it's... For me, it's it's shown as um, what the, the priority is. It's, it's money into the bank as opposed to what the fans feel about this. Yeah, so, I mean, I think they pushed quite hard at the AGM that it was all about trying to break even, and I think that's they've been blinkered by that. I absolutely get that clubs in Scotland need to bring money in for anywhere, but um, but we're not actually benefiting over our rivals with this because they're getting the same amount of money, so it's not like it's a benefit to us and, and, and it's a revenue stream that's not open to Celtic. You're effectively marking time with them. Um, I mean, the... The arguments I've heard against this are obviously, you know, it's a bit tin pot, it's a bit sort of English Premiership. They play Manchester derbies all over the world. And I think in Scotland, we have always kind of, I don't know what to say, laugh at it, but, you know, we've always kind of looked down our noses a wee bit and thought, oh, we wouldn't do that. Um, the next argument is there's obviously been a bit of a bolt on to the, the way it's been marketed, like the big Ange home come in. And the third argument I've heard against it is, um, you know, the news that came out about Celtic the day before that, they are a very toxic brand if, if, if all that comes to fruition. So why should we be involved in that? Um, I just, I think the board knew what the reaction was going to be because it, was, it wasn't leaked, it wasn't spoken to about any fans. If they had mentioned that to any fans, they would have known the strength of feeling within seconds. Um, and I think they've signed the contract done the deal and I don't think they'll go back in it um, I would I would just like to say though about the Australian Rangers fans that go to it I don't hold anything against them if they turn up to this game you know some of them might never get a chance to watch Rangers Rangers have committed to being there if they want to buy tickets and go and uh, watch their team then I wouldn't have a problem with that but um, yeah I, I don't see the board going back in it to be honest I think the decision has been made and they'll stick their fingers in their ears and hope for the best. I totally agree with, you, with the the board knowing what the reaction would have been, and I, I think I said at the time, regardless if you find this is the wrong decision or the right decision, there's no way the board didn't see this coming. But it's the issue is they decided to go ahead with it anyway. And um, Davy, I'll, I'll come back to you for this. Um, the, the point I was wanting to make um, that this is a. This is a wider issue for me. This isn't just a one-off decision based on money. Um, I, I can I got a lot of heat when I complained about my jails when it first came out, uh, and I, I still really dislike the idea for my jails. If you're not a season ticket holder, you need to sign up for your odd pound to go on the season ticket waiting list, all this kind of stuff. You need to pay for the privilege privilege of spending money. I've said at the time, know what? The I was told at the time, sorry, the board have done X, Y and Z for us. Okay, they're entitled to make a wee bit of money back, blah, blah, blah. Then you've got the nonsense with the 40 kits a season, Christore, um, the shambles that I had at the start, and then even the the ticket prices, we were speaking off air. It's, there's no there's no give with the board. It's, I, I can understand if they have certain avenues to maximise taking money from and... Uh, giving a bit of leeway elsewhere but it's every possible avenue they'll take as much money as they can and 
I, I find that's the point I was trying to make with the managers thing when it first started. We're going down a very slippery slope where it's all just based in commercialisation. Sorry, Davey, I'll let you come in. That's my that's my two my tuppence worth. No, well, what I was going to say is that um, Steve said that it's a chance for Rangers supporters to to see Rangers, but there's another two games they can go and see Rangers. They don't have to turn up for the Celtic game. Uh, I, I can understand that a lot of them it's probably the Celtic game they want to see, but um, and and if you're a real Rangers fan. Uh, well, I, I can't say they're not real Rangers fans because the 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 I do probably things that they don't like, but um, no, I think this is one we should all stick together and uh, and and tell the board. Well, you can you can play that game, but there'll be no Rangers fans there. And I, I was going to say just in terms of the board <clears throat> and costs, um, just some things that sort of over the last few years um, have, have sort of made me feel that they're completely out of touch was in terms of some sort of ticket payment requests for certain games. The first Europa League um, sort of campaign that went into um, was, you know, that instantly, like, the money was coming out of your bank within a couple of days and it was 120 quid. I don't know if people remember that, but the club had to massively backtrack on that and I know that our supporters club offered to actually give some members money um, to, to, to kind of pay for that. Um, on our bus that, that we run we've got over 100 members um, and probably about 50 or 60 of them are, are probably you know on kind of really low incomes um, and they'll follow Rangers sort of everywhere but I think <clears throat> that first request was just so out of touch to expect people to have 120 quid if you've got kids it was 50 quid so you're, you're talking you know a lot of money there and then the, the most recent one there's probably been a few in terms of ticket prices which are definitely questionable particularly for the standard of football that's getting served up recently but the um, Stirling Albion Cup game where Nene is new if it was going to be um, getting played the, the games at that point were behind closed doors and the board actually uh, charged us all in early, you know, early, early without, before we knew to get the money off us so that they had the money before any decision was made for it to continue. Now, the game ended up going ahead, but um, I just felt that that was another one where it was just take, take, take. And what I've actually said to people is the board will get away with that if we're performing well. Um, and we're doing, we're we're winning things, and like fifty five off the back of that, they obviously milked that to to the to, to as they should. But see if we're not performing well on the park, people will vote with their feet. You know, people won't won't do all these things that that the board are looking to do. So they need to be very conscious about the stuff that they're asking people to do. You know, Rangers fans are loyal, but to a point, um, and. I think that, that needs to be discussed, you know, from from a boardroom level. But I think the you know the friendly um, situation just shows you how out of touch they are. Um, and agree with Steve, they won't be back and doing on any of the decisions. They will try and ride this storm out as much as, as as much as they can. The thing is, as well, I think the the financial state of the world is going to be changing so much in the next uh, year, anyway, before this all gets sorted out. I mean, even even if the war did stop tomorrow. It's going to take ages to get to get back to the financial way we were. So I, I mean, I think the Rangers will be losing probably a lot of season ticket holders that they just can't afford to to, to go. If you take it, the gas prices are going to be going up about thirty to fifty percent, and petrol's went up about forty percent, I believe, in the last uh, two days. People are just we've got to cut corners somewhere. Not we can't keep giving out money we've not got. 
and that's a that that's the bottom line. And as I say, I think Rangers will probably lose a lot of a lot of support. Of a lot, they lose some supporters. Although some most supporters do give out every last penny to Rangers, and they uh, should be yeah they shouldn't be milked the way they are. I do try and like sort of balance it up, and like I know the board have got a tough job because we we play in Scotland and the TV money is pretty much non-existent, right? So they are going to make their money for the fans. But we're not a wealthy fan base. You know what I mean? Like people in the west of Scotland are pretty much working class and we are the cash cow that they're after. And yeah, I totally get that you have to maximise it for their point of view, but people have got a breaking point when it comes to money. You know, like when you've got kids and you're taking them to the games and, and they're wanting the first strip, or sorry, the home top, the away top, the third kit, the gallant pioneer stop, the blooming legend stop or whatever like you know this is a lot of money as you say David um, like the revenue stream that they have got is the fans but they're probably pretty close to pushing them over the edge it's no bo- bottomless pockets people have got No and I totally agree with you and I think that's my biggest issue is I don't know I, I think the, the board know there's a there's a bottomless uh, cash out or they see, is, see a bottomless pit of money that they can get um, for Rangers fans because they've, if, um, if fans can't afford to go, there's we've got a waiting list that could take years to get on for a season ticket. They've got to get the money somewhere. Um, and I think it's just they, they need to balance out doing the right thing and supporting supporters uh, because it's no cheap to, to follow a football team anywhere um, in the world now. But we're going to wrap it there, gents, on the on the board bashing and the Australian uh, and the, the Sydney Cup. Because um, I, I dare say this hasn't got to go away. This has got to be something that we speak about for the next few months at least. Um, and I think the opinion on it might change depending on how the club's success are. But what I would say, listeners, get in touch. I'm very conscious that there's four four Rangers fans I've spoken about being firmly against this. Against this, see if you're listening from Australia. Let us know what your your thoughts are. It'd be even if you wanted to come on and chat about it, it'd be good because I think we we've always tried to be balanced on the gallant view, and that's why we have folk. Um, we arrange a different opinions, but if you're for this or you've got you would want to come on and chat chat about it, get in touch with us. So. That will do us um, for, uh, I was about to say for the the negative chat, I suppose, but we still need to talk about this Aberdeen and St Johnston game. But before we do, Chris, let's lighten the mood. How good was uh, this display by the Union Bears for the Aberdeen uh, game? I think they'd, they'd done brilliant. Um, I think there was, it was pretty clear that, you know, they'd put a lot of effort, time, money, um, resources into it. Um, I was actually stuck under um, one of the um, big banners up the Copeland rear, um, so I didn't, and also uh, looked like a big uh, idiot with my white jacket on, um, but I, I never actually had the um, beauty of seeing what was unfolding um, until sort of simply the best come on and we were able to see it in the stadium, but... Aye, uh, it was a, uh, it was, it was brilliant to see it. Obviously, live. I watched like a sort of aerial f- uh, view, sort of f- uh, video of the day, um, and it looked unbelievable. So, 
fair play to the group for for obviously pulling that off. And you know they 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 try their best to generate um, you know an atmosphere and, and generate a view like that you know is is unbelievable. Um, and I think. You know that when you look back on some of the kind of better nights, I but it's usually night time and when they kind of pull the bag, pull out the bag. But for that, for a sort of during the day, um, for an occasion that, again, um, I'll try and stay positive. But for an occasion that I didn't feel um, had a lot of um, sort of push from the club at different points, I felt it maybe could have pushed a wee bit better. Um, I, I thought they sort of pulled it out the bag and it looked it looked brilliant. And again. The, the noise for that group throughout the game was great as well. So um, the, the players obviously show their respects, don't they, at the, at the end of the game. And there's a reason for that, you know, because they're continually supporting the um, the, the players on their part. But no, they've done amazing um, and fair play to them. Aye, the, the union bills uh, can sometimes polarise opinion amongst the Rangers support but I don't think you can deny the atmosphere they bring the eyebrows in the time and effort that they put in was uh, and the execution of that TFO on display was unbelievable so absolutely well done to them one thing I just want to mention is it's uh, I've seen a, a few few comments here and there about the disabled fans were included in there. No, I was included in the display, and I know a lot of disabled fans um, down that section of the the main stand. Um, they've they loved being part of it, um, so I think that's really thoughtful and a really small gesture, but it's um, you know it's made a big difference there. Davy, um, how did you like watching this for for afar? Yeah, it was it was great. It was some atmosphere in the stadium. I wish I was there. And I was, I was actually, I've, I've no connection to the Union Bears, but one of the, the, the people I know um, is for FC20, is uh, a supporter for FC20, and he does that as well, makes these banners for the for FC20. And he was telling me that for one banner they made, it cost them 45,000 euros. And I, I couldn't believe that, that that's kind of money is going into making these banners and making these shows. So I don't know. I don't know where they really. They obviously get sponsors and things like that to make all this, but there's some money goes in it. And that show and and against Aberdeen for for the 150 years, that must that must have taken a hell of a lot of money as well. So well done to the guys for getting that, and well done for the show. It was really a brilliant show. I'm in a nine job. Tell you that. Um, I obviously kind of go in the same entrance as the Union Bears. I'm in the uh, family section, so. See, after every time, it kind of makes me laugh and makes me realise how old I am because after they do something good, they're all hanging about at the entrance and I always go across and say, oh, well done, lads, that's great. And they just look at me as if, like, fuck off, you dick. <laughs> and it always makes me laugh, so it does. And in my head, I think I'm probably being pretty cool and they're just like, aye, fucking whatever. But uh, I hats off to them because, uh, like, the atmosphere that they bring to the games, it's, it's tremendous. And, I mean, they obviously... There's been a couple of things that have maybe got them, um, you know, in trouble a wee bit. But who's not done daft stuff when they were young, you know what I mean? But I take my hat off to them. My, my son absolutely loves watching them at games. Um, and the the display for the game on Saturday, that that blew my mind. So it did, like, the effort that it takes to organise and um, coordinate something like that. You know, there's been some great... Um, sort of TIFOs at Ibrox before, but nothing on that. You know, for every single person at Ibrox to be in, uh, involved in that. Um, I think we could even uh, 
sort of colour coordinated so the Aberdeen fans got a wee red bib. They could have been part of it. They would have loved it. Um, but yeah, just hats off the Union Bears. I think they're, I think they're tremendous. I did have the fear as we were as the game was progressing, and I know we'll talk about the game, but I did have the fear that we always sitting with the, the sort of white, blue, red jackets on that we were going to look a bit stupid at the end of the game if we never get the result. But um, I, I was playing through my head, but the actual sea of the colours as well, and the way they coordinated that with the red, white, and blue at the different parts of the ground as well with the bibs, um, because I was I didn't know much about it. Similar to you, Steve, my son absolutely loves them in terms of Union Bears and he's always following them on Instagram and stuff and he says Tess we need to wear a bib, a bib in that dad and I'm like I'm getting visions of like the Fitba bibs it looks like a sport bra on me you know sitting for the game for the full 90 minutes but um, fortunately it was a large size for a gentleman uh, like myself but I did have visions that we were going to look like idiots as the game progressed if we never get the result but thankfully that wasn't the case Well just starting with you Chris um, let's talk about the game it was set up to be an absolute cracker, um, and it didn't. It, it didn't fail, did it? An absolute game we're going to remember for for the rest of our lives. I I think the. I mean, for me, the, the, the most important part of that, given the last couple of games against Aberdeen, we obviously ended in disappointing draws, was managing to get it, uh, the win over the line. And thankfully, obviously, with Kamar Roof um, popping up, we did. And uh, you, it won't live in the memory other than the 150 years, I think, the, the celebration, you know, the stuff that we've discussed. Other than that, um, a pretty um, forgettable match, but an important one because psychologically, I mean, I'm even just talking about myself here, um, psychologically I think if we walked away from uh, that that game not winning that, and then obviously the result for them happens on the Sunday, then I, I think you're probably starting to worry about, you know, the, the season if you've not already got doubts um, so for us to get that over the line was, was massive because the last two games, as I said, against them have been unbelievable if we dropped six points against them they're a poor poor side um, and obviously things on the good in the camp with the, obviously Scott Brown leaving the day as well so um, I think you know it would have been a real opportunity missed I think the other two games um, were as well um, and I think we've played terribly against them but it was it was good to get the three points and really that was was what mattered and, and to be fair um, you know I know we'll go into the game in a wee bit more depth Colin but um, Morelos was absolutely knackered I think on Saturday he was really tired he wasn't getting on to anything and just that wee creative spark with Roof you know he was he was excellent in the cameo that he came on and obviously gets a goal with the movement that he's got so I was I was delighted when I get back on the bus the fact that we, we got the win because I was I was doubting it as the game progressed without a doubt. See after Saturday, like I just come away thinking, like football is fucking absolutely crazy. Like you know the, the games against Dundee United and Motherwell, we had 30, 30 and twenty nine shots, so fifty nine shots in goal. Half time of the Motherwell game, I thought that was as good as we played for a long time. Right, if you told me that that game was going to finish two each. I wouldn't have believed you. And then, so we walk away from them two games with two points. We play absolutely horrendous against St. Johnson on a terrible pitch, right enough. And then I thought, very average against Aberdeen. And you walk away with six points. Like, see if it had been reversed and we had the six points for the Dundee United and Motherwell game and the two points for St. Johnson and Aberdeen. I would have thought, well, that's probably the way it should have went. You know what I mean? But um, I just think it's crazy football sometimes. Um, onto the kind of Kamar Roof thing you see when he is fit and 
Like his movement in the box, he, he almost is a bit like what I thought Defoe was going to be like and what he was like at the start. See, when teams are packing the box, Roof has just got the knack of finding a wee bit of space. I think sometimes, um, I do agree actually that with Van Bronckers bringing Morelos off and putting Roof on, because any time I've seen the two of them together, it's never really worked. I did join in with a wee bit of the booze, I have to say, though, when Morelos were off. <laughs> that, was just, that was just frustration, because this Chris Ada was starting to feel like a bit of a numpty in my, in my vest. Um, but, right, Roof just peeling the weight of the back post and uh, getting the winner. So, if we can start getting, you know, a bit of form at a Roof for the last sort of eight or nine games, um, I think our goal tally will start going up. But, yeah. Do you understand Aberdeen's, sorry, do you understand Aberdeen's tactics? Because, I mean, I always like Goodwin's taking his St Mirren tactics to Aberdeen, but Aberdeen came out of us at the game in Pataudry, and we really struggled against them. So I, I don't understand why... Oh, I mean, they were only out to spoil Rangers this this, this game. They weren't uh, even trying. I mean, Lewis Ferguson, I don't think he'd done anything apart from follow Rangers players about and tackle Rangers players. You know, he'd, he'd certainly never done anything in an offensive the whole Aberdeen team never done anything offensively. I don't even think they had any shots at goal. So I, I really don't understand the the, the tactics they came in. And I think they, they spoiled their own show, really, to be honest. Uh, and they uh, they must be happy to walk away with a draw. But, um, yeah, certainly a team that should be number three in Scotland, accepting a draw anywhere is really ridiculous as well. I think, um, you know, just when you look at them tactically and the way they set up, um, good you said there, David, um, Goodwin is, is that type of manager, so he's obviously trying to come and, and frustrate us, and it's it's really up to us to, to kind of break it down, but it just it just didn't feel like we were going to, and one of the concerns for me, because I've not been on the, as I said, on the podcast for a while either, um, but one of the bigger concerns for myself has been... Um, not converting the chances that we've had, you know, the amount of chances that, that we seem to have had over the last week. I mean, you're talking their 30 chances in games and stuff. Like, it's it's been concerning for me that we've not been able to convert as much. But two 1-0 victories, um, you know, that would suggest that the, the sort of back door appears to be relatively um, sealed at the minute, despite probably concerns over McGregor and, and his form. But I, I think um, they definitely came to kind of go for a on each, I think, David. They didn't even look as if they were going to try and catch us in the counter at any point either. It was, it was quite defensive. Um, but um, for us to, to get it, I think that was just the most important thing, was was coming away for that and winning. And you know what? We've got um, eight games left, and if, if we can get into that winning habit, keep the clean sheets, um, and find that winning habit, as I said, where we bit a kind of magic from different players, um, including Roof, then that would be great. I think Glenn Kamara obviously popped up with a goal um, midweek, and Glenn Kamara was that was massive actually for Roof's goal, if you remember the wee um, double step over and the wee chip to the back post. So, aye, I'm, I'm still confident that we can that we can win this, but certainly Saturday was massive, I think, if we, if we came out of that nothing each against that mob, this, you know, how bad they played, I would have been Definitely half throwing the towel, and I think even though it sounds horrible to say it, but I think it was massive to get it. Well, two, Steve, I'll two, sorry, sorry two, two, just let us jump in. Yeah, David, sorry. I'll come to you in a minute, mate. Oh, let me bring Steve in. Um, Steve, just on what uh, Chris was saying there about the back door being shut, that, that's something I wanted to mention as well. See, watching the last two games back and it was a fucking tough watch don't get me wrong but we weren't as bad as what we felt on the night and actually 
we looked solid both games, which hasn't been the case this side of the year. Um, in particular, I thought Conor Dolson, he he kept Chris Ramirez at bay, and he, he can be quite a threat in the SPFL, but I thought Dolson absolutely eliminated Aberdeen's only out ball. So maybe this is the defence finally, I don't know, gelling together. Um, I'm glad you mentioned it, but having different opinions earlier on, because I don't see it, to be honest. Um, like, I didn't actually think like we looked like we were going to really concede against Motherwell, but I have just a nagging doubt. You see, us, like Aberdeen created nothing on Saturday, um, but I have a nagging doubt in my head. You see, if towards the end of the game, if they get a corner or a free kick in our half and they swing balls onto the edge of the six-yard box, I'd, our goalkeeper is not coming for it. And I think that's probably half the tactics that teams are coming for now is keep it, you know, so you're relatively in the game with five or ten minutes to go, make a break, dive out wide, swing a ball in and put your big guys up front. And I have to say I can see why they're doing it. Um, but one thing I want to mention about the last few home games, maybe you have picked up on this before me, but how bad is the time wasting? It is absolutely horrific for... I think the Motherwell players were still time-wasting at 2-0 down. It takes the goalies like a minute to take a goal kick. Um, you know, pick the ball up, drop it, put it at one side of the goals, kick their feet off the post, move it to the other side. And referees, I think we've got two minutes added time against Motherwell. Um, it's just, I, I don't know. Don't, as I say, I don't know if you have noticed it before, but it's really been pissing me off this season. There was a game earlier in the season, or it may have been last season, where... Motherwell were 1-0 down at Ibrox and they were time-wasting in the first half. And when they ended up getting, I mean, fucking weird the mugs for letting them do it and they came away with a draw, but it was something where, like, they, the start was they, they wasted, like, 50-odd minutes and they didn't equalise until, like, the 75th. So that's a good 40-odd minutes where they were 1-0 down and just time-wasting. It's fucking bizarre. The Motherwell game... Even just a 2-2 game. At 2-0 down, I was sitting behind the Motherwell goalie and they were still time-wasting. Like, and I mean, obviously, they got their 2-2, so they walk away, they're happy or whatever. But you would think, you know, at 0-0, I sort of get it. I hate it, but I get it. At 2-0 down, you'd be thinking they'd be sprinting, get the ball, get it back in play. But they don't do it. I don't know if it's a, maybe a tactic to just take the pace at the game or whatever because they knew it was looking like 3-4 or 5 at that point. But... Suppose you could say it worked, but by fuck, it's frustrating to watch. Well, we'll talk about the amount of money we spend in football, Davy. When we're not even watching football for the whole whole the game, it's even more frustrating. No, I think there was one game. It only it was only about fifty minutes played sometime. But um, well, when you the game seems to be here as well. I mean, if you look at Kent, people say why is Kent playing good against European teams, but against Scottish teams, he's rubbish. But Ken's get two players stuck up against them every time. And uh, you, you guys all know, when, when Brian Loudrop played uh, for us, unfortunately that was a time where I couldn't really follow Rangers. I, my, my phone, a Rangers, was sitting in a car trying to listen to a radio on BBC for the, the sort of a came, came every time. There was a, an, an exciting minute. The, 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 the radio seemed to go away and I couldn't get it anymore. So I was sitting, the, the neighbours used to think I was crazy. What's that idiot doing sitting in a car? What, it wasn't a radio. 
Um, but I don't know. Did, did Brian Loudrop have, have that problem as well? Every week with two players against him, uh, or, or was he just that good that it didn't matter? Do not be comparing Brian Loudrop to Ryan Kent as much as I love Kent, but come on. I was going to just come in there in regards to a player I wanted to give you mention to, um, who's been tremendous, to be fair, including uh, the, the Dortmund game, is Calvin Bassey. I think he's been um, unbelievable at left-back. Um, I'm still, you know, some decisions from uh, Gio are baffling me, to be honest, at different points, but one of them is um, not playing this boy left-back, you know, and, and, and giving him that berth, because... He's absolutely thriving when he's over there. Um, and I know he's doing a job for us at, at centre-back, but if we've got centre-backs that are established internationals that are sort of 75% fit or whatever, um, why not play them? And I don't get why he's persistent to play um, Barisic. As much as Barisic has done as a good turn, I think he's checked out for the season. I think his performances um, would suggest that. Um, that probably dates back to the game against Celtic where... I probably wouldn't have given my jersey after that. Um, so I don't get why uh, Bassi isn't he just playing there, but when he is playing there, he's unbelievable. Um, I've, as again, I never covered the Dortmund podcast and stuff, but his persistence to get that ball into Tav at the back post was unbelievable. You don't get that from current Borner. So in terms of talking about defence, he needs to go away. You know, the best players in the best positions, every game's a cup final. No, as much as that's a cliche, it's very much true. We need to win them all, so we need our best players in there. And for me, Calvin Bass is the best left back at the club now by a stretch. Um, and that's based on current form, aye. Um, but I don't see a way back for Borna to kind of take that off him. So he needs to be there for me moving forward. See, just when you're talking about Barris, it's there against Celtic. Remember the, the home game against them? And at the end of the game, I don't know if you picked up on it, but um, I stayed right to the end, and he was like sort of crying and waving to the fans, and and that very much looked like to me a person that was or a player that was gone. So I don't know if it sort of relates back to that. Did you hear anything saying that was he close to moving? Because it was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in a football pitch. For then, nothing to happen after it, and him to remain at the club. Um, and I've always been quite a big fan of uh, Barisic, but. As soon as you put Bassey at left back now, like the difference in energy, like Barisic, it just constantly goes back the way, back the way, back the way. I mean, his dead ball delivery, or even you know whipping crosses in their dead balls used to be, it was a real weapon. Now, I'm kind of hoping he hits the first man that goes out for a corner because that's the best he can hope for it. Um, but I was just wondering if he's had heard anything about, you know, his reaction to the first Celtic game. Was he close to moving? So he was asked um, at a couple of press conferences in, in January about where does he see his future and it, it was very cryptic, vague answers and saying, oh, I can't, can't control the talk that goes on elsewhere, but right now my focus is Rangers. And it very much sounded as if there, there was a bid coming in for him. So I don't really know if it, that anything has happened behind the scenes. So that may be a shout, Steve. Um, when we're talking about Bassey, uh, left back, David. The, the biggest point I wanted to make on the game, and I don't, I don't think Gio's going to get the, the credit he deserves, but I think the subs does change the games. So, Bassey moving to left back, and the goal came for the the left hand side. I thought Bassey just brought so much energy. Just what Stephen and Chris were saying there, and also came out of get, gets the goal. Um, he's, I know it's a, a poacher's finish, but he has to be there. I, I think Gio has to take a lot of credit for when he made the subs and the subs he did make. 
well, he probably does now, but I must admit when when he done it and left Morel, took Morelos off, uh, I, I was pretty, I was shouting at the television. But um, yeah, no, Bassey makes a big, big difference. Even, even at centre back, have you seen him against Dortmund? He's just so lively. Plus the fact he's got a lot of pace that that Barisic seems to have lost. I mean, Barisic, when do you ever see him going past the player now anymore? He hardly ever goes past the player. I mean, he, he whips it in, but the, the, the balls he's whipping in now are all from outside the penalty area, from about the halfway between the penalty area and the halfway line. They're not really getting right up to the corner flag now and whipping them in that way. But what what I'm, I think is a real positive is another player is, is Kamara at the moment. He, I think he's absolutely changed because he seems to now want to get forward. If you take it, he scored a goal a couple of games ago. Um, against St Johnson, he scored as well. And Saturday, or Saturday was, um, he set up the goal for Tav to header it, and then it, I think it hit Aribo, and then it, it, uh, Roof could could hit it in his bum. I think he actually done got it way. But um, no, I think Kamara has really just made such a positive change to his game because he seems to be getting forward a lot more now. My, my issue with Kamara is he's, he's just a tease, right? He's shown us the glimpses of what he can do, but far too often they reverse the type. And I might be being a bit harsh here because he's he's made a difference over the last two games. So the St. Johnson game, the first five minutes he does that, um, it's like a number 10 type of run, um, gets that goal, and then he just very much goes back to type. You know, the game is comfortable with the safe ball and... I think we've seen a, a bit of brilliance from him on Aberdeen, but I, he didn't do too much for me up until he did do that. So I'm not I'm not prepared to write him off anything. I still think we know that how how strong a player Glenn Kamara is, but I think I think he's shown that he can do a lot more, and I think this is his chance to shine in, in the title running. Steve, yeah, Kamara for me is the kind of. Um, He's definitely a follower and not a leader. If Glenn Kamara, if you play him with the right players and they sort of, I mean, he's got all the, all of the ability in the world, but he, he, he doesn't take a game a game by the scruff of the neck. He sort of, if somebody else has took the game by the scruff of the neck, I think he follows and, and he's, he's effective. Um, like against Motherwell, I thought he slowed the play down so much. Um, and I think that's a criticism I had, uh, the last two games, I you know, he created the goal against Aberdeen and scored the goal against St Johnson. So I'm probably tripping my argument up here. But it, like when I do watch him, I think you've got to be very careful what players he play with Kamara, because um, otherwise I think he just kind of fades into doing nice wee turns on the halfway line, takes two or three touches, plays it back to Tav, gets the ball back, another two or three touches, another nice wee turn, plays it to the left back. So I. I'm very much jury still out on Kamara, um, depending on how, how you utilise him anyway. I think he's, you know, he's definitely done a lot for the club if he's come in. I mean, obviously the song 50 Grand Glen Kamara has been well repaid, but I think that, you know, that my, my 
issue with Kamara was he definitely deserved to go through the period there when he was benched. Um, his form had seriously dropped. Even the the sort of bits that you would attribute to Glenn Kamara's game in terms of you know shutting down the channels, recycling the ball, keeping the ball kind of moving, whether it's sideways, backways, or forwards. Um, you know, and and kind of being available in the middle of the park. I think there was a period of time where we we're pretty much what you're saying, Steve. I think there was a lack of other leaders in that team and when you're asking Glenn Kamara to be the kind of main man within that midfield um, I don't think he copes well with it but when things are going well he, he can kind of you know he, he can show his, his, his abilities but there is definitely made to come from him I've watched him play for Finland a few times and he does play a wee bit more advanced than he plays for Rangers um, and you can see, you know, the the movement off the ball, the movement beyond, and the goal on Wednesday was was obviously kind of, you know, didn't that movement. So he's got it there. Um, and I remember Neil McCann talking about him because he had him obviously at Dundee, and he said he's one of the most gifted footballers he's seen. Um, and Neil McCann's played away quite a lot. So I think there's there's definitely levels that Glenn Kamara can go up. Um, it's just trying to find that consistency for me. Um, and sometimes I think he does hide in games, as we saw in the the Old Firm game in um, in January. And I don't think he, he really recovered for that for the wee while. But yeah, he's he's adding to the last few games. I don't think we can doubt the goal was massive at St Johnston. Um, and obviously his contribution on Saturday. So long may I continue because we need our midfielders to be helping our strikers out, particularly um, Morelos. So moving away from the Aberdeen game, gents, and I think um, it's probably a frustrating time to have a European game. If there can ever be a frustrating time to be playing a big tie in Europe, it's, it's probably now, given how the last two games have went, because after the drop points against Dundee and Motherwell, we we all we all wanted points on the board by hook or by trick. It didn't matter how we got over the line against Johnson and Aberdeen. Um, it, what all that mattered was getting the six points. And I think get, getting through two games like that, you just feel like you can go and kick on and potentially go on a run. And um, it's just typical when we're feeling that we've got um, almost a distraction. But let's try and just bash in the glory that is the last 16 of the Europa League. Davey, I'll start with you. I can't pronounce what they're called now, so I'm saying it's Rangers versus Red Star Belgrade. Um, that's as good as you're getting. How are you feeling going into this tie? Well, I'd written it, written it down to try it. Kravena Svedzda. That's my that's my best attempt. Good enough at... for me, mate. Good enough for me. <laughs> but I'll agree. Red Star Belgrade is easier. <laughs> um, no, well, I, I think it, I I would have actually preferred to be out for out first because I think it's it's easier when you when you know what the score out is and then you come back to and get them at Ibrox. You can go full full float at them. Well, I, I hope we play. I hope we, we don't change your tactics from from Borussia Dortmund. I mean, obviously, I, I, I've never seen Red Star Belgrade for years, uh, so I wouldn't I wouldn't know how they played, and I don't know how strong that competition is. But I know I think they're top of the league just now. Instead of the the beat Partizan uh, a few weeks ago or last week, and uh, they seem to be playing well. I, I think they lost. Uh, they went through a bad patch, right enough, and. Um, but um, no, I, I just hope that we go out and play the way that we've been playing in Europe, and and uh, yeah, obviously they'll come here and they won't open up as the the way that Dortmund opened up. I don't think so. They'll probably try and keep it tight to Ibrox and then 
So I, I actually think the game might be won there and not at Ibrooks. Steve, I think um, it's only natural that after beating somebody like Borussia Dortmund that you'd you'd fancy a chance against anybody. But um, I don't think that the players or the management will be guilty of this. But I think fans, some of us might be underestimating Red Star Belgrade a wee bit. They're, they topped their group for a reason. They're a decent, decent side. And I don't know, there's a real air of Slavia Prague. Um, we all expected Prague to be a, a team that would run over the tap, the tap, but they gave us a game. Um, I don't know. It's, I, I, I just feel like they're, it's, it's gro- every chance that you'd be set up as a, an anti-climax or a banana skin after Dortmund. Well, yeah, I was speaking to a Liverpool fan at work and he was saying one of the best teams they've faced in the last couple of years in the Champions League was Red Star. He says they gave them a bit of a doing across in Belgrade. So, it's like any of these teams, Croatian, Serbians and that, they're always very, very good in the ball. I remember when um, we played, it was Osicek that we got Barisic from. They, like, they could move the ball about. Um, so, I checked the bookies odds and Rangers odd. I think there's 47 or 49 to go through in Red Star or 64 or whatever. So we're the favourites, but in my eyes, it's a 50-50 tie. Um, and I think that's probably as good as we could have hoped for at this stage. You know, there's some proper heavyweights left in it. So I think we were happy with the draw. I think if truth be told, they're probably happy with the draw. Um, and I mean, one thing I'll say about this Rangers team um, we obviously had the absolute debacle in um, Luxembourg before Gerard came, but we've not thrown many stinkers in in Europe in the last sort of three years. I think you can always rely on a bit of... Um, you've got to get a level of performance. Sometimes we've went 2-0 up against like Porto and that and thrown it away, but I mean these are great teams and I'm actually more confident going into a lot of European games with Rangers than the young domestic games. I think when we've got a bit of space for the likes of Kent and Tav and whatever to bomb forward. Um, I think we defend better as well. I think we sort of, we don't switch off as much and when we've got that space to run in behind, I think we look absolutely tremendous at times. So, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, just wait and see what Red Star are like, but I guarantee there'll be no mugs. Chris, Steve Thompson, a point that none is need to labour because we all feel it with Rangers. That whether it's mentality, whether it's just uh, the atmosphere or the stage, or it's just players are suited to the game. There's there's Rangers players who really step up on the European stage, and I think um, you don't really need to <laughs> puzzle yourself too hard. Alfredo Morelos, Ryan Kent, more recently John Lundstrom and Ryan Jack uh, in the middle of the park. James Tavernier as well loves loves a goal or two in Europe as well from right back. Um, I think it's it's a game where they look at our big players, and if you know if our key players turn up, then we're going to be doing okay. Uh, without a doubt, and you know, I agree in terms of what Steve said. This Rangers team have been remarkable in Europe. I think even going back to, you know, Walter Smith's uh, team, Advocates team. You know, it was Europe was always something that you know what you maybe felt other than Manchester and maybe the '92 season that we could have done better in. Um, but this Rangers team have been unbelievable um, in Europe, and and this has kind of been their stumbling block. This run that they've, they've we've not went by. 
um, this round. But as you say, if our kind of key players are are firing and up for it, then then great. It, it does give me the fear that we're the favourites because I think sometimes when we go into European games as the underdogs, I think that suits our style of play. Um, I was looking up um, Red Star again. I'm not going to try and pronounce their um, sort of new name, but I was looking up and. You know, the, the, their, their group maybe wasn't the strongest group that they obviously topped, um, but they scored in all their away games. Um, just one goal, right enough, but they, they obviously have got a bit of an attacking threat when they're away for him. Um, and they also kept um, three clean sheets in the groups as well. So they're going to be stuffy. You know, there's there's no doubt about it. They're going to be well organised in terms of the, the, the defensive team. And maybe similar, actually, to... Um, some of the kind of blocks that we face domestically, which sometimes we can struggle to break down, but with that sort of quality going forward, so I definitely don't think it's going to be an easy walk in the park for us. But um, I do fancy our, our chances in the in the game, particularly as you say, the players that we're talking about. You know, the, these guys, Alfredo Morelos, absolutely lives for the Europa League. Um, so hopefully the 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 players can kind of go over this hurdle because it has been the one that stopped them previously. And and for me, you know, I know there is some good uh, teams left in this competition, but if we can um, go over that hurdle, um, I, I think I think we could go deep into it. You know, I think we could maybe even get into the semis. But you know, we'll see. Obviously, how it goes. It's going to be a tough couple of legs. Aye, I think once you get into the quarters, anything can happen. It's really you're, you're there for a reason, and you know these next couple of weeks, it might just be the the bounce that we need for going into the the, the running. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe Dortmund should have been that bounce, but maybe just that extra game will spark us in the life a bit, Chris. I agree, mate. And and what I was actually going to cover there was the the next five games, um, for us is is massive. You know, obviously we've got Red Star, Dundee in the cup, which you know we want to be winning the cup. Our cup form has been atrocious. Dundee again in the league, um, Red Star, um, before the Dundee game, and then obviously Celtic, um, Ibrox. So. Doesn't really get. I know you kind of look at wee different segments in a season and stuff, and you try and say right, your next four or five games are crucial. Take it one game at a time, or the usual nonsense the players come out with. But Geo and and the players have got to be looking at this five blocks of game and thinking, you know, this is season defining stuff. Um, if we can get ourselves through in, in Europe, I know some Rangers fans will, will maybe say I prefer to go out of Europe because you know we want to focus on the league and stuff like. That. I'm not in that camp at all. Go as far as we can in it. You know, obviously league's massive, but we need European. Um, and we're flying the flag for Scotland because everybody else is honking in it so um, we need to to kind of keep it going so I next five games is huge Um, I can't wait for it this is what Fippa's all about you know and hopefully we can we can start with a big win on Thursday it kicks us on hopefully for the the next few games it's going to be difficult a difficult period but if we can win those five or get through this this tie and get through the other ones and beat Celtic at Ibrox you know it certainly sets us up for um, a good rest of the season See, um, I've mentioned this before in the pod. I actually think this Rangers team are better playing Thursday, stu- Thursday Sunday. Um, our best form last season was um, sort of during the Europa League group stages and then going into Sunday games. Um, I, I, I just think they do well when they're playing games. I don't think they do well when they've had time off. And I think the winter break would sort of prove that. Um, I don't know what happens differently in training or whatever, but um, yeah, I'm... I think the busier that we've got for games, I think the better we seem to play. Well, all I'm going to point out is the last couple of years when we've had a slump over the winter break, it tends to shake off about now. So, 
you know, it's been maybe a bit of a tough listen, uh, listeners, if you've even got <laughs> got to this point. May have turned off uh, 10 minutes in when, when we were talking about the Sydney Bears gate. Um, no, listen, this is the time where Rangers shake off and hit their form again. So, as Chris says, um, this this is a season-defining running and uh, make or break. But I think that's a good time as any boys um, to wrap it up. Um, it's been a it's been a pleasure. Covered a lot there. Um, as always, I like to say your goodbye to the listeners and press you for a prediction on Thursday night. So, Davey, kick off with you, mate. Well, thanks for having us again and hope that everybody keeps well for the next uh, time. Um, Thursday night, uh, Ibrox, I'm hoping for 2-1, I think. Although I don't really know what Kravena, Svezda are are like, to be honest. (laughs) You're fucking showing off now, aren't you, with that? (laughs) Chris, mate, it's always a pleasure, never a chore. Cheers, mate. No, it's good to be back on. I've enjoyed it. Um, talking about aye, the last sort of wee period, even though it's maybe not been always the best. Um, aye, for Thursday, for me, I fancy us to kind of break that trend in terms of um, them scoring in away, away grounds. I think we'll beat them, but I think it'll be very tight. one nothing. Um, following that up with a very um, painful nothing each across there. Um, I'm, whole, I'm, I'm on the clean sheet bandwagon here, so I one nothing at Ibrox and nothing each over there to put them out would be ideal for me. Oh, I take it, I take it, and it's been great to have you back, Steve. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, I'm going to go with two one Rangers, uh, Morelos and uh, Tav. Really confident when he's going for the goal scorers. Um, no, but I think. Uh, I don't know, this the daft wee boy optimism in me always I don't know, I'm always glass half full, but I think Rangers can be at their best when everything is just going wrong. Um we've struggled in the league where it's fans against the board, there's a bit of an unhappy atmosphere. I can see Rangers coming in the block and gaining us another night to remember. Gotta go three 0 Rangers. Um so We'll be back with you next week, listeners, when I've probably made myself look like an arsehole again with that prediction, but, you know, it's all part of the fun. As always, thanks very much for listening. We are the people.